0: hey everybody welcome to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters i'm christy brower here with my co-host sister and partner in crime (laughs) katie weaver hey katie hello how's How's it going going? oh well i'm good how are you doing i'm good i
1: am way good what can i say you know doing my
0: regular stuff make there you go (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm good Good. I'm glad to hear it. I, I'm good as well. I've been doing a, um, a lot of keto cooking and baking, been having a lot of fun with that. I I'm just know. getting better and better at it. You know, the longer you do the super low carb life, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. Cause you get smarter. You know what I made this week? Well, you know, cause you tried them. I made yeah. marshmallows. Yeah. I was missing like having marshmallows and hot chocolate or coffee over the, in this winter time. Mm-hmm. And so I found a recipe to make them. And it turns out they're super easy, and they are fantastic. I, and they turned out so good, didn't they? I was amazed, and they're really, really good. I had I had one in my coffee today, and it was delicious, and it was zero carb, which is you know, mm-hmm. the life I lead. So that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm really super enjoying good. that. Well, you made some really good uh, orange cranberry quick breads too. That was I delicious. did. I did. That turned out really well too. It was the first time I've cooked with um. Baked with uh, raw cranberries, like just fresh ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made, you know, like cranberry sauce and stuff with them before, but I'd never really baked with them. And that was interesting, mm-hmm. but man, they turned out so good. Super good. It's always good when you're, when you're baking endeavors turn out good. <laughs> instead of like, oh, this goes a right. nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting better. I'm getting better at choosing keto recipes. Like I mm-hmm. read through them and I can immediately go, that is so not going to set up, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Like, or that's going to be egg-y. a yeah. yeah. Or too many eggs. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Some people's version of making, you know, keto baking is to just, you know, basically make omelette kind of tech.
0: No. Yeah basically scrambled eggs with chocolate chips. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. you got to go a little more detailed than that. But I'm really enjoying that, you know, and as it's getting cold in winter here, as as it is, I'm baking more and cooking more anyway, just because I do more when the weather is cold. And so I've been really enjoying doing that. Wow. Good job. You rock. Yeah. Thanks. It's been fun. Well, as you know, this is a cold read case for you. Yes. So I'm going to present you a case and you're going to give us a cold read on it. So if you yep. haven't seen us do this before, I lay I lay the case out for Katie and then she's going to tell us what she thinks happened to this person. Uh, I do give the majority of the details of the case because that's not the point of the read. The point is not this, the details. It's what is the final outcome. Mm-hmm that makes sense. So we present this a little bit differently than some other psychic shows do. Um, We know that by, you know, comments on YouTube, Um, (laughs) but it is, you know, the the final outcome is really our concern. It's not the details of the case because that information can be found anywhere. It's about, you know, an unsolved case and what's happened to this person. So we're going to talk about Jennifer Kess. Jennifer Kess went missing on January 23rd, 2006. So she lived in Florida. And on the day of her disappearance, it was a Monday. She had been on vacation with her boyfriend. And on Sunday night had stayed at her boyfriend's house and then went to work from his house. So she hadn't been home since the vacation until after work that day that she went missing. And she did go to work. And she left work at 6 p.m. People saw her, you know, at work. Um, She talked to her dad on the way home while she was driving home from work at about 6.15. And then she talked to her boyfriend on the phone about 10 p.m. that night. So she was really in the habit of reaching out to her boyfriend in the morning before she left for work, either calling or texting him. And she didn't. And that was the first indication that something was wrong. He was surprised. And so he called her and her phone went to voicemail. He kind of didn't think anything of it because he knew that she had a meeting that day. And so he thought maybe he'd just caught her in the meeting and she just, you know, was running late or something, Mm -hmm. but then she didn't show up for work, which was really unlike her. And her parents were her emergency contact at work. Mm -hmm. And so her job called her parents Mm and said, Hey, we don't know what's going on, but we can't reach her. She didn't come to work. Really unlike her. She worked in finance. And her her parents were immediately really concerned because she had very regular phone contact with her family mm-hmm. and with her boyfriend, like everyday kind of contact, mm-hmm. kind of like your adult kids do. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, yeah. and so you know, if you didn't have that, you would know something was wrong because that was mm-hmm. way out of character for her. So yeah. her parents lived two hours away and they drove to her apartment. And her car was not there. They went in her apartment and it just seemed like everything was pretty normal. There was a towel that was wet. Like she'd obviously had a shower, you know, some things that had indicated that she'd been up and ready, getting ready for work Mm -hmm. that morning, uh, but had not made it to work. So they put flyers out all over for her. And then the authorities, the uh, Orlando police department, had um, organized a bunch of search parties they looked for her on foot on horseback by boat helicopter car and ATV wow. so big search happened quickly you know lots of people out there looking for her they initially thought maybe she had been abducted while she, as she was walking from her apartment to her car uh, that was the initial kind of you know uh, theory is mm-hmm. that she'd been there um but but her car was gone right her car wasn't there yeah Mm -hmm. so a couple of days later they find her car at an apartment complex about a mile from where she lived in a kind of known to be unsafe part of town apparently someone had seen her car a description of her car on the news and had realized that the car's you know meaning that description have been sitting in the parking lot of their apartment complex for two days. Mm -hmm. So they call the police and let them know that the car is there. And um, they go and, you know, they they do a forensic exam of the car. They take pictures of the car and they find on surveillance footage of this apartment that somebody drives the car in and then walks out of the, the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Here's the, the the sad thing about this. So the, the surveillance footage was not like a continuous feed. It was a took a picture every three, every, every three seconds kind of camera. Mm-hmm. And there was this big black uh, like wrought iron fence. And in every single picture, that fence is obscuring the person's face. Oh. And the feds tried to, you know, clean up the pictures and nobody could. They could not. Mm-hmm. Um they could not ever get any um actual description of that person mm-hmm. other than they were between five three and five five feet tall. Five five three five foot three inches to five foot five inches tall. So mm-hmm. not super tall. Um let's see, what else did I want to tell you? So they considered that person a person of interest, but they didn't actually know who it was. Mm-hmm. None of her friends or family from the video, the pictures that they did have, thought that this was somebody that they knew. Mm -hmm. Didn't seem um, appear, you know, in didn't seem. It wasn't her.
1: her.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't her. It was a man. They believe it Mm -hmm. was a man. It was a person with short hair. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so one of the things that had been going on in her apartment complex is there were all these renovations going on. And some of the people working on the renovation were actually living in some of the apartments in her complex. And she had said to her family that some of those men made her uncomfortable. And sometimes they were actually in her apartment doing renovations and that she would call someone, her family or her boyfriend or somebody and like stand in the doorway and just talk on the phone the whole time because Mm -hmm. she didn't feel safe around them. I guess there had been some catcalling and some things going on with these workers that made her feel um a little bit um you know uncomfortable around them. Mm-hmm. And so there were some questions about, you know, what were one of these workers involved with this. Um they're really in the forensic examination of the car. They didn't find hardly anything. They found one print and, and they called it a small DNA fiber. I have no idea what that means, if it was skin or something, but really not anything in the car. They did use a search dog, and the search dog tracked the scent that led from her parked car back to her apartment complex. And so um, they think that the whoever abandoned her car walked back to her apartment complex, which may have been where their vehicle was. Um, They did feel that the car had been wiped down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some things that were missing her cell phone, her iPod, her keys, her purse, her briefcase, and whatever clothing she was wearing that day are the things that were missing. They couldn't ping her cell phone. It was off. It was never turned back on. And none of Mm -hmm. her, like none of her bank account information was ever used. Nothing ever indicated that she popped back up in the world. Mm -hmm. So of course, you know, investigators, um, looked at her family and friends first. Sure. Uh, there was an ex boyfriend that they looked at because he was kind of wanting to try to get back with her. Um, but they, they basically cleared him that there wasn't anything that indicated that he had been involved. Um, her current boyfriend had an alibi. Oh yeah. And, it um, him. so it wasn't him. No, no. Um, So they did kind of focus on the idea that maybe it was one of these construction workers, but they never could find anything um, definitive there. They did say that there was a real language barrier there and that not all of these construction workers were English speaking. So they couldn't interrogate all of them. I found that weird. Right. You don't have an interpreter? um, yeah, you, you can't get a hold of an, an interpreter or use a service or something. Like, I found that strange. Like, are you really not trying very hard, police, that you can't interrogate these people because mm-hmm. they don't speak English? Like, I you know, people always, you see that kind of thing happen all the time and they reach out and they get somebody to come in and interpret mm-hmm. That's You know, get to your local university in the language department, you know, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, So that didn't go very far, which I thought was kind of odd. They did question her coworkers and there was a manager that she worked with who wanted to be in a relationship with her and she turned him down. Um, They did kind of look at him pretty heavily and and interviewed him a bunch of times, but they eventually Mm -hmm. Um, as well. Which
1: is interesting. That's interesting to me. And the ex-boyfriend is interesting to me because my hit is that this is a man that was trying to engage a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it was either of those two men, but I do feel like it was someone who had been kind of stalking her from afar for a while that she had turned down in the past. She was beautiful and -hmm. and desirable in lots of ways. You know, she really had her shit together. She was, you know, she was high flying. Mm -hmm. And, And I feel like this person, I keep wondering if this is someone she went to high school with Because I feel like he knew her for a long time and that she maybe dated him briefly a long time ago, you know, but really uh, didn't have any interest in him anymore. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree that he grabbed her in her, the parking lot at work. I feel like, or at home, I feel like when she got into her apartment or into her car, that he was right there and climbed in the car with her, you know, just before she could really uh, stop him, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like he had just been fired from his job. There was some big emotional turmoil in his life that triggered him. He already had been obsessing over her for a long time, had, you know, been trying to, you know, maybe pick something up with her. I don't think it was the workers there at all. I Mm -hmm. I feel like, and maybe the police really didn't either because I I don't feel like it was, but I do feel like Mm -hmm. he got into the car with her, whether she let him, I feel like what happened is that she unlocked her car to get in and he just hopped in with her, you know, quicker than Mm -hmm. she could prevent that. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately this isn't one of those cases where I feel like the victim died that day or died immediately. I don't, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like he kept her alive for a few weeks and a couple of weeks let's not go too far i feel Mm -hmm. like he he did keep her alive for a certain amount of time kind of playing house with her trying to force her to be his person you know Mm -hmm. um i do feel like eventually he did kill her and i think what every time i look at this i see i feel like he actually may still have some of those belongings like the briefcase okay. and and that kind of you know some of those belongings, I feel like he kept some of that stuff in, in his home. Um, I her body, I feel like actually ended up in a landfill or a dump or something like that. Okay, um, I I feel like it's possible that that body could have been found at some point, though it sounds like it wasn't, you know. But uh, which is really too bad. But I feel like he disposed of the body in a pretty unceremonious way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of surprised maybe that it wasn't found, but that's how, what I feel is that that's what I'm seeing is piles of, of, of garbage of refuse. It, that's where her body ended up. Okay. Like that. Uh, at any rate, but yeah, I still think he has some of the stuff. And I'm not convinced that this won't be solved at some point.
0: I feel like it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that because some new evidence came to light only three days ago. Oh, Wow. In this case, first of all, there was a witness who saw who they believe was her in her car fighting for the steering wheel with someone else on the day that she disappeared. But now um, some evidence photos have come forward. Fox News in Orlando got a hold of them that suggest a violent struggle took place on the front hood of her car. Uh, and it, it looked like someone was thrown down on the top of the hood, like their arms spread out and then dragged back almost like off the hood to the point where you can see that they were like grasping at the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, So they have been releasing these, they've released these photos to the public in hopes that they can get some help. Now, interestingly, um, Joy, Drew and Joyce Kess, who are Jennifer's parents
1: Mm-hmm. Soon,
0: the Orlando Police Department in 2018, for all the records to date in their daughter's case, they felt like the police have not worked nearly as hard. There actually is a law in um, Florida that was to change the way that missing persons cases were handled. That is called the Jennifer Kess and Tiffany Sessions Missing Persons Act. Wow. Because this was handled poorly. Um. And, you know, all along, they felt like the police just were not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they did win. There was an agreement reached and mm-hmm. they got 16,000 pages of records. Wow. And this was back in 2018. But somewhere in there were these pictures. Which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. For sure. Wow. At this point, still no resolution. But, like you said, yeah. there is still, you know, potential here to solve this case. Mm-hmm.
1: I think so. I think it's possible. I wonder, too, if he will, someone else will come across that, uh, her stuff, because he has some of her stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that somebody will come across that and... uh You know, recognize that this is maybe not even who this belongs to, but it doesn't belong to him, you know?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Sure. But, uh, well,
0: and I think if you came across, I don't know, an iPod or a cell phone from 2006, you might have some questions mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's some pretty old tech. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the briefcase with like her work documents and stuff like that in it, yeah, you know, the purse with her ID and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like those are things, yeah, that could um, really unravel this situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Well, and and when he got in with her, when they managed to get in her car, they he drove her or made her drive to his house. I mean, this was just from one place to the next, you know, mm-hmm. and... And that's where he held her and unfortunately until she died and then uh, he disposed of her body. But yeah, I have hope. I have hope that this case will be solved. I feel like it can be. Mm-hmm.
0: Very interesting. It does seem like maybe some movement is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that was the belief all along that whatever happened was very quick. Mm-hmm. happened very quickly and there was very little evidence left, but yeah, I mean the mm-hmm. actual, I guess the car is kind of a crime scene, but really mm-hmm wherever he held her was the crime scene and they've never had any opportunity to see that because they haven't found it. Right. Yeah. But the KISS family is, you know, very actively still working to investigate her disappearance mm-hmm. and, and figure out what happened to her because they feel like they've had to take it on themselves. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like they'll hire a PI that is a retired police officer, mm-hmm. not from Orlando, of course, but from somewhere else mm-hmm. who is, extremely good at what he does and he'll be the one that helps them to figure out what happened yeah because sixteen thousand pages of records is a lot to sort through that's a lot of leads and dead ends and you know so on and so forth but i feel like this is somebody who has a vast uh amount of knowledge of you know law enforcement as well as uh solving cases that uh you know that i i have a lot of hope i still feel like it can be solved hmm yeah.
0: well they do too you know they have had an ongoing gofundme page to help them pay for investigation they have mm-hmm. hired pis mm-hmm. and her dad said we don't care when we don't care how and frankly we don't care who we just yeah. want our daughter back for the good or the bad we miss yeah. her every day i'm sure and so they they're there certainly the kiss family is certainly not giving up yeah good and so I- you know we 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 think we can do our small part here by telling this story and putting that word out there again, yeah. you know, in case somebody sees something, you know, when you see something, yeah. say something, right?
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. Even if it seems insignificant, you don't see the entire puzzle. And so even if what you see or what you saw or what you heard seems insignificant, it might not be. Yeah. Yeah. It might not be. So yeah. that's important to know, you know? Well, holding a lot of uh, love for the Kess family and a lot of hope for them that they get some justice.
0: Absolutely. Most definitely. Most definitely. And
1: I agree with you. I feel like it
0: will come. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on this case. Yes, we will. uh, You know, hopefully it's when we get to come back later and report as solved.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was very interesting to see that there's an update only three days ago. From mm-hmm. a case in two thousand and six, you know, obviously there's movement happening in the investigation mm-hmm. that the family is funding. so yeah, That's one different. last
1: note is that I do think that, that this guy acted alone. I don't think anyone else had anything to do with this. This isn't something that other people knew happened or that he had help with or anything like that. This was singular
0: mm-hmm. but now people somebody might notice something that right uh could help so. That's an important part mm-hmm. of it. You know, one of the reasons we like covering true crime and unsolved cases is because we hope that we, you know, if nothing else, that we we bring up the, a case that's been, um, you know, hidden for a long time. You never know. Absolutely. know, you know hey, we've seen that it's, happen it's, with some other cases recently. And I think it's really important to remember that, you know, there are always family and loved ones and friends out there missing somebody and wishing that this case would be solved. Absolutely. And a signal boost is always a good thing. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, thank you for your read, Katie. I appreciate that. You bet. Well, as you know, you've been listening to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook fan page and a discussion group where we love to talk about the cases that we are working on and all kinds of other interesting things with our true crime fans. So be sure to find us there. And we are on Patreon. If you would like some extra content and would like to help support us in doing what we love, please join us over there as well. And thank you for listening. Have a great day,
1: guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Take care. Mm -hmm.
0: If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.